Well, hi, you guys. I'm Rick Dancer. Welcome to Get Real with Rick Dancer. And we got a great show tonight. I love this topic. Um, I, I don't know why. I think it's just because the underdog, you know, and I'm a big supporter of rural Oregon. And rural Oregon is any place that's probably outside of Eugene, Springfield, Salem, Corvallis, <laughs> Portland, um, Clackamas, all those, everything, those voiceless people. And I think that started for me when I ran for office. And um, I, I remember one time being at a debate and uh, former Secretary of State Phil Kiesling met with me and he told me, go to every county elections clerk you can in the state over the next nine months and ask them what to do. So I got into a debate with Kate Brown um, and and she said, uh, we need same day voter registration. And I said, well, how many counties do you you know, there's there's places in Oregon that don't get their mail every day. She's like, what? And I said, yeah. I said, like Vail, Oregon, they only get it every three days. And I said, and just so you know, Vail is in Oregon. And she looked at me funny. And then I said, how many elections clerks have you visited? Multnomah County, Washington County, and Clackamas County. I said, oh, I went to 26 of the 36. And they say your plan doesn't work. And those counties were so voiceless and they felt so much not a part of Oregon. You go to Rome, Oregon. Yes, there's a Rome, Oregon and a Jordan Valley. And these people don't, they, they listen to Idaho news. They're really already part of Idaho. They go shopping in Boise. Um, they don't feel like Oregonians because they're so separate. Um, and they're ignored, you know, and I had a rancher where the, you know, the environmental community in Portland came out and never visited, but found out that their cattle were, you know, getting uh, water out of their, uh, the Oahe River. And after 150 years, these families have been doing that and they came out and fenced it off. So one of the ranchers said she went to Portland to fight it and she stood on the edge of the uh, Willamette River and looked 30 miles up and down and saw nothing but concrete and pollution and said, and you're going to come tell me how to manage my river. And that's the thing that is driving the greater Idaho movement. Um, so we're going to talk about that tonight with Matt. Uh, he's with the organization. He's a spokesman for him. Uh, but we want to thank our sponsors. First, BS Free MD. Um, we're going to play a little clip from them tonight. And it's a little racy. I'm just going to warn you that their show this week, um, they were talking about all kinds of stuff. And this is really fun. And that's what they're all about. BS Free MD. They're doctors. They're from Sweet Home, Oregon super smart and they're not afraid to push the envelope and they've been seeing all this stuff coming out about no more natural gas stoves and all this kind of stuff and they just went on a tangent so you're going to love that also albert taylor endless possibilities an organization that um he, mark has some really good insight these are people that work with folks in our community who have different abilities but he has some really different insight for people looking for a job um, he's going to have that at the end of the show and then chris dental family dentistry and denture center where everyone's welcome. Michael is also an outspoken person, not afraid to take the heat. Um, and he's really big on looking at education in Oregon right now and what is not going on and how the last two years impacted that. So that's all coming up. But um, I wanna show you one thing really fast. Guess what I got to do today? I have never been on the Canyon Ferry. There's Canyon Ferry Lake right outside my house. And I've never been on it because we've been too busy. Well, today, um, I went out there to do a story with ice fishermen. Watch. It says I can't walk on water. 
This is Canyon Ferry Lake. Kathy and I have never been on it in a boat, but our first time on Canyon Ferry Lake is on a four-wheeler. <laughs> that is so weird. Have you guys ever gone ice fishing before? So we're out here doing a story uh, for the Lions Club. I'm gonna show people what this is all about. And uh, the cool thing about this is you're just out in the middle of nowhere. And, um, and people are just, we're gonna go find out if they'll just talk to us. And when I was in Oregon, nine times out of 10, I could just get people to talk to me, they didn't care. And so far, so good. So we'll see what happens. So uh, yeah, that's where rural people in Oregon are just like people in Montana. It's so fun. And here's Matt McCaw. Hey Matt, how you doing? I'm doing well, Rick. Thanks for having me on again. Hey, I saw your press release and I know that we haven't talked since after the election. And I was telling you earlier when we were chatting, I have seen and heard from so many people, and I want your insight on this that we talked about, um, who've said, I, th I think their last holdout was um, Christine Drazen um, or Betsy Johnson. Um, and now we have Tina Kotek. And I think that so many people feel like this is just going to be Kate Brown point, you know, 2.0 and, uh, and they're done. And now all of a sudden something that seemed absolutely crazy when you and I first talked about this a couple of years ago is all of a sudden starting to make people go, especially in rural Oregon, think, you know what, maybe this is an alternative here. Are you hearing, are you seeing the same thing? Absolutely. So, so Rick, people love our ideas. So I talk to a lot of people about Greater Idaho and uh, all over Eastern Oregon. And when people hear our idea, it makes sense and they like it. What they don't think is that it's possible. Uh, and so people are like, well, that would be awesome. But, you know, it could never happen. Um, and so we but despite that, we have a lot of support when we put our idea in front of voters. Voters say, yes, we want that pursued. Um, I think that that with this last election, voters, conservative voters in Eastern Oregon, because Eastern Oregon is very conservative and right. they vote conservative and they voted conservative for decades and they keep voting for state government that they don't get. Uh, I think that they thought because of the political environment, because of a third party candidate, there was a lot of people that thought this is this is the chance. This is a chance for conservatives to take back state government in Oregon. Um, and, and this is going to be it. And when that failed to materialize, uh, I think a lot of people realized Oregon is, is too left leaning and too populated on the West side uh, to, to for Eastern Oregon to ever get the government that they actually want. And so people have always liked our idea, but now they see, Hey, we need to really, you know, put some effort behind this and, and make this push and make this happen. So the latest county, and, and, and I think we should explain to people too, I think sometimes conservative, that term becomes Republican. And, and that's not necessarily the case. There's a lot of conservative Democrats on the east side of the, because my grandparents were from Haynes, Oregon. These were old Kennedy Democrats. And I think that the, the new progressive left far-leaning wing has is totally alienating those Democrats in, in even, even the Valley. Um, and there's no balance in Oregon. There's absolutely, and, and when I was running for office, that's what I heard all the time from people. We have no voice, you know, in, in the rural county. So Wallowa County, like one of my favorite Oregon counties of all, only one stoplight in the whole entire county. <laughs> that's little. 
Um, they just, what did they just do? That's what I saw in the press release. Right. So, so we've been going for the last two years, we've been going to, to the Eastern Oregon counties. We want to move 15 counties from Oregon jurisdiction into Idaho to, to get Idaho state governance. So we've been going county by county and asking voters, do you want your elected leaders to look into this? So Wallowa County uh, just got their ballot measures. So they were out gathering signatures. We turned in those signatures uh, to the county clerk and their ballot measures approved. So Wallowa County is gonna be voting on this in May to be our 12th county in Eastern Oregon uh, that's said, yes, we do want to look into moving the border. So you have 12, that, I mean, out of what are really, there's really like 15 rural yep. counties. That there's, be there's 15 full counties that we want to move. So, so you have some counties like Deschutes County, where we're not looking to move all of Deschutes County because Bend is a, a pretty populated city and it's gotten much more, um, it, well, it's culturally, it, yeah, it's more, it's more similar to the West side and we don't think that they would want to be part of Idaho. So we don't want to include them because our movement is all about, uh, you know, matching people to government that they want. And and so we would carve around Bend in Deschutes County and, and then also Warm Springs Indian Reservation. So there's a couple counties that would just be partial, but the 15 full counties, Wallowa County will be our 12th one to vote on it. And we're expecting to do well there. And at this point, Rick, we've proven that the people in Eastern Oregon like this idea. It, they see us as a solution. You know, we've, I've heard talk my whole life living in Oregon. There's this huge urban rural divide. And I've heard plenty of talk about how partisan things are and how divided we all are. Um, we're offering people a solution. It doesn't have to be this way. Right. We can change state governance and we don't have the east side having policy forced on them that they don't want. And we don't have the west side having the policy they want held up by those of us on the east side. You know, we just had this measure 114 that just passed in Oregon razor thin. It was like less than 51% of the vote. And, and I'm sure you know, Rick, and your, your listeners know that Eastern Oregon voted overwhelmingly against this. But right. like when you look at, at the ballot results and uh, the election results, it's like 75, 80, 80 plus percent Eastern Oregonians voted against this measure. Uh, but it passed statewide based on the, the population of, of Western Oregon that, that wanted it. And so Western Oregon said, we want this this legislation, we want this policy. And then Eastern Oregon, a judge in Eastern Oregon said, nope, you know, we're, we're stopping that. Um, rather than these two sides of the state that are so vastly different and culturally so different, trying to dictate policy to each other and, and playing tug of war with the state government makes far more sense to just move the border and get people the government they want. Hallie, Allie wants to know, has Lake County voted on it? Lake County did, and Lake County was our strongest county we've had. I, I think that they voted in favor of our measure around 75%, somewhere in that ballpark. Uh, well, I love Lake County. Those are the kindest people. Plus, they're, you know, you're like an hour and a half from anything big, um, Klamath Falls and stuff. So you, you really have some independent-minded people. Um, Jackie says, you go to Eastern Oregon. I'm so jealous. I'm, I live in Tillamook. <laughs> I hear that a lot. So, so, so one of the things we hear is, is, you know, cause there's a lot of still, there's still a lot of conservative people in Western Oregon. It's, it's just, they're overwhelmed numbers wise. You know, if you, if you look at, especially Northwest Oregon, the, the way they vote, um, you know, it's 65, 70% voting left leaning. Um, and, and so I, I hear that a lot from, you know, people all over Western Oregon say, is there any way to get Yamhill County in? Can, can, you know, what about Polk County? What about here? How can we be part of this? And, you know, our proposal is is what makes 
the most sense to us. We have this huge contiguous, you know, chunk of land that's all very, very similar culturally, uh, politically, economically to Idaho. So that would be, you know, that that's the starting point is, is to, to move what makes the most sense first. You know, and a lot of people, um, I think the only candidate for governor that I heard say anything about this was Bessie Johnson. And she she would say, you know, we've got people who are re- ready to move the border. And that's a huge problem. Of course, she's from Scapoose and she's really a rural Oregonian. But I didn't hear Christine Drazen saying much about it. And I didn't obviously didn't hear Kotex saying anything. And I think that's what people are so frustrated is because, you know, I, I hear this from valley dwellers all the time. Well, if they don't like it, then why don't they just leave the state? And it's like part of that problem is that bugs the hell out of me is it's like the people they're talking about, most of them have family heritage that goes back 150 to 200 years. And these are little snotty nosed people, you know, little Californians that moved up here and said, this is my Oregon. It's like, no, actually, it's not your Oregon. You made it your California Oregon. And right. these people have roots that go deep here. And yeah, they're not any better than you. I'm not one of those, if you're a native, you're better than other Oregonians. But but true Oregonians used to be independent-minded people that that would, if, if I were governor of Oregon, this would be one of my big concerns in this state is bringing that state together. But I don't see that from Kotec and I didn't see a whole lot of it from anybody but Betsy. You know, they asked all three governor's candidates about us. And and you're right. Betsy Johnson said, hey, we've got a real problem where you've got half the state, you know, uh, geographically, uh, much less than that population. But you got all these people that they, they're they ready to to change state governance. They're so, they feel so unheard and so frustrated with the policies coming out of state government. Um, but they asked all the gubernatorial candidates and essentially they all said, we want to, you know, we want to bring people together and we want to, you know, um, keep Oregon Oregon and and work with rural and and the urban side and um, but you know in Eastern Oregon we've heard talk like that for a long time and, and we haven't seen any kind of policy results that would make us think that it's going to be different moving forward. It's not going to be different and that it's all bullshit. It's just like words and and it's the same thing you guys have heard forever. And um, Matt McCarl was on here saying it's it, it's it's yeah. What about us in the West? We're stuck. You know, and I think that what, you, you tell people about the poll um, in the press release, there was a poll. And I think most people probably haven't heard about that. Yeah. So there was a poll done by Survey USA, which is a, a national pollster of and this was a poll that was done of northwestern Oregonians. So this did not ask Eastern Oregonians. This was just like Willamette Valley, North Northwest Oregon. Um, and that was done in January of last year. And it was about Greater Idaho. And it asked them a whole bunch of questions. Uh, but there were some really surprising answers. And, and one of those answers that that I saw that was really encouraging to me was they asked, should the state of Oregon look into moving the border and what that impact would be on on the, uh, on Oregonians. And 68% of people in Northwest Oregon said that we should look into this. People understand, Rick, if you've lived in Oregon for longer than six months, you know that the West side and the East side is are completely different from each other. And, right. and, and so people understand that and they understand completely why Eastern Oregonians are not happy with the policy 
we're getting policy forced on us all the time by Northwest Oregon that it, it may make sense for Northwest Oregon. It right. may be what Northwest Oregon wants. It doesn't make any sense for us. We don't want it. Uh, and, and so, but, but the people understand that. And, and that what that poll did was that showed us that your everyday person, they get it. They understand that it doesn't really make sense for Eastern Oregon, which is 63% of the land mass, but only 9% of the population. It's so rural, it's so vast. Our way of life is so different. It doesn't really make sense for us to have be having policy dictated to us from Portland. Um, and, and so that shows people understand that and people are ready to have that conversation. Well, and I think after this last election, um, that, that if, if I was the governor of Oregon, I'd be super concerned about that because you have now, you know, th- this is like, I, I think it's really rubbing it in the faces of people after, because now it's like, okay, everybody knew it's been years and years since there's been, you know, any kind of Republican representation, but now it's just over. And um, you're you're seeing people, you know, like me, get the hell out of the state. Um, you are having people move in, but most of those people moving in are coming into urban Oregon and making, and they're more of that kind of policy. And I like how you said that, because I I think that's a way I'd like to say that too, is maybe some of that makes sense for some of Western Oregon. So you create a state where this is what you guys want. And that doesn't mean you're bad people. It means this is what you want, but don't hold the rest of us hostage to the ideas that you think work for your area. And we can move to other parts of Oregon. You know, that's, I mean, that's, there's other places we can go that we can still love Oregon. But I think people are kind of like, no, this is Oregon and you won't change it. It's like you already did. You already changed it. You don't, don't people get really stuck. They get really stuck on Oregon looks a certain shape on the map. And, and that's what they think when they think Oregon, they think that's that shape. Um, and, and what we're saying, what our movement is about is that, you know, a, a core principle of, of American democracy is matching people to government that they actually want. And well, that's so, it, used to, it used to be. <laughs> well, and it still should be. And, and that's what we're saying. So what we were just talking about, Northwest Oregon is very left leaning. It's very urban. And, and they should have the government that they want, that they think that they need to solve the problems that they have over there. But the same thing is true of Eastern Oregon. We should have the government that we need that we want that matches our values. And right now, because those two cultures are so different, it doesn't work. And that border was was placed there almost 200 years ago. I was doing some some reading about the border and about the Oregon Territory. So really interesting, right? Like in the early 1800s, you had this huge Oregon Territory that included Idaho and Washington. And then they decided, okay, well, you know, we want to carve off Idaho. We're, We're different. We want to have our own, you know, area. And then Washington came along and they said, well, you know, we're different from you. We want to have our own area. So so they carved Washington off. And and that's how you got this shape of Oregon. At that time, Rick, there was only 50,000 people in the entire state of Oregon when that border was was first placed uh, in, you know, almost 200 years ago. It made sense 200 years ago. It no longer makes sense where it is. Borders can change. Borders should change just because they've been in a certain place for a long time doesn't mean that that's where it makes sense for it to be. So how do you get that to happen? I mean, I, I, I think it's interesting. I, I don't think a lot of people understand how how messed up this is, because I learned when I was running for secretary of state with redistricting and it, it, re- redistricting is supposed to happen. So like minded area communities mm-hmm. are put together to vote. Well, now what the what the what the progressives have done is loaded it so that like when I lived in Camp Creek in Springfield, which is very rural, 
I was in the same group with University of Oregon students. Well, what right. do we have in common looking to think? So all, the whole, I mean, it's cheating. And what they were doing was trying to water down the conservative votes. So only, so we've cheated and drawn lines unfairly in the entire state. How do you, Matt, get those legislators who are totally fine with it? Because and, and even DeFazio, when they changed this, the fourth congressional district, he had a soundbite where he said, you know, well, we've changed the district, so it should be, you know, should be pretty easy for Democrats to get. And you're going, well, come on. I right. Mean, right. So how yeah. do you convince, first of all, the state legislature to do the right thing? And then you got to go to Senator Ron Wyden, who already said, we're not letting go of that territory and get them to understand you don't represent those people well. And besides, Ron, you live in New York State. state. You don't right. even live in Oregon. Right. So, so so there's there's several reasons why it would make sense for Western Oregon to let Eastern Oregon go. There's financial reasons. So a lot of people don't understand uh, that Western Oregon is is wealthier than Eastern Oregon. And, and so because of our state income tax in Oregon, what that what ends up happening is that they collect taxes across the state. They redistribute those out. But because Eastern Oregon is not as wealthy as Western Oregon, it ends up being a subsidy. Western Oregon ends up subsidizing Eastern Oregon to the tune of a few hundred dollars per person. Um, huh. So so financially for Western Oregon, if they were to let Eastern Oregon go, they would have all those tax dollars that they're currently sending to Eastern Oregon that they would stay at home. They could use huh. that for education, for homelessness, for, for the problems that they have in Western Oregon that are specific to Western Oregon. They could keep that. Uh, they could keep those tax dollars there. You know what, Matt? I'll bet you. Here's my proposal. So let's say it's $200 per person, right? Um, that they're paying for taxes in Eastern Oregon. Yeah. And we actually, we estimate it's higher than that. It's closer to $500 probably. Okay. I'll bet you that many of those rural Oregonians would pay another $500 to get out of Oregon. I'll bet, you I'll bet you you're right. And, and you could go to Ted, those rural Oregonians who are looking at this and going, you know what? You, we lose the 500. I'll give you the 500 um, for the first two years. Right. And you let me out. I'll buy my way out of Oregon. And then we I, redraw the line. I mean, I, seriously, if you, if, you know, if they're, if they're so worried about budget money and stuff, um, yeah. I'll tell you, hell, so, so, <laughs> well, I know personally I would, I, I, that sounds like a great deal to me long-term, especially just the tax benefits of, for an Eastern Oregonian to be out of Oregon's taxes and into Idaho's tax structure. Um, but, you know, we, we talked about that survey earlier. That was one of the questions that was asked in that survey of Northwest Oregonians was how much would you be willing to pay huh. to keep Eastern Oregon as part of Oregon? And only 3% of people said they'd be willing to pay what they have to pay to keep Eastern Oregon as really? part of Oregon. Most people that the, the highest response for that question was most people would pay nothing. Like they, they, most people don't realize they're paying anything subsidizing Eastern Oregon and they don't want to be subsidizing Eastern Oregon. So when they find out they are subsidizing Eastern Oregon, they said, we don't want to pay anything to keep them. Let See, them go. We need to change the conversation. Cause you, you're, you're good. You made up, you made some great points here is one, I don't think people know that they're paying for Eastern Oregon. So Eastern Oregon, and, and excuse all my Eastern Oregon friends, because I love you dearly and you're, I love your land. I, I would have lived there if it was out of Oregon. But you are, a, you're, you're, a, you're a, a ball and chain 
to the people in Western Oregon. So you start selling that idea and then letting people know this is how much it's costing you. And, and they want out. And so there's like a buyout thing. And then you tell your legislators, I, I know you guys sent a letter to the new leaders, uh, both. And, and your problem is they're both Democrats because there's the Democrats still run the, the state. Um, right. And so you have to get them to allow that to be because people want that to be discussed in the legislature. But the Democrats have control of doing that and they have everything to lose by doing that. Well, so yes and no. So we're hopeful and we've reached out to Senate President Wagner and because uh, that's where the bill, the bill is introduced in the Senate. So Senator Linthicum is our sponsor for, for the Greater Idaho bill. And, and that's already been done. And that's already been done. And he's already filed that and it's been read on the Senate floor. So now it's sitting on the desk of Senate President uh, Wagner and, and he'll kind of decide the fate of what happens to it from there. And we've reached out to him and we would love to sit down with him and, and talk about, you know, all the reasons it makes sense for both sides of the state. It's, it's a win-win for both sides of the state. Um, but, you know, we're hopeful that Senate President Wagner will hear what the people in Eastern Oregon are saying. And, and you have, you know, we have gone to the people and we've said, do you want this to happen? And, and the people have been saying over and over again, yes, we do. We want out. We want to have this conversation about where we could redraw the border and change state governance. And so, you know, we are hopeful that Senate President Wagner will hear that and, and say, we need to have this conversation. The people in Eastern Oregon don't feel represented. They they want something else. Let's have this conversation. It seems to me you need to get a, a, a letter writing campaign. Um, you know, and, and I'm not just saying Eastern Oregon, but if every person in Eastern Oregon and then all of you uh, freedom loving people in the Western Oregon who believe that these people should have the same voice as people in Western Oregon, you write a letter too, and put some pressure on these people. These are political people, and they are—they're like the—they're like the snotty people in in college or in high school that wanted to be popular. So they want to do what you—they want to look good. So you have to go in there and say, if you want my support as a as a voter and as a person in Oregon, um, you better do what I ask you to do. And I'm asking you, as a Western Oregon person, to look into this because. I want to know what's best for them and for me as an Oregonian here. And, and you know, yeah. And, and that's what we're encouraging our supporters to do. And, and we have supporters all over the state. It's not just Eastern Oregon. You know, like I said, when, when the, when they did polling, 68% of people said, yeah, we get it. And, and we should look into this. So, so people in the state understand how it doesn't make sense for Eastern Oregon and Western Oregon to be playing tug of war over their state government. Um, so that's exactly what we're asking our folks to do. You're right. Our elected leaders are they're responsive to hearing from things you know, I get a chance in, in this role to, to meet with a lot of elected leaders and they do hear. And when they hear from people, they are responsive to it. Like they they, they try to, you know, do what people want them to do. And if there's a lot of people that, that are writing in and saying we want this to happen, they will listen to that. And we do, Rick, we have some Democratic. So we reached out to all of the senators and representatives in the state. Uh, knowing that this bill was coming and, and knowing that Senator Linthicum was going to take this up and move this forward, we reached out Democrats, Republicans, east side, west side. And we have had some Democratic senators and, and representatives that have met with us. And they said, we get this. We get why this would make sense. We're listening. You know, we're, we're willing to have this conversation. So it's it's a it really would be a win win for both sides of the state. 
Western Oregon is different than Eastern Oregon. And so Western Oregon should have the policy Western Oregon wants without Eastern Oregonians messing that up or putting that on hold or blocking what they're trying to do. Um, let them have the government they want. Let us have the government they want. And all the political tension that comes that you hear about, the partisan divides and, the, you know, we're so polarized, all that goes away if we don't have what we feel like is policy we don't want being forced on us by people that don't get us. Right. And I should apologize. Not all those people in the legislature and they're trying to be popular, but because there's a lot of really good serving people, Democrats and Republicans and independents sure. who want to yep. serve. My point really was that um, they are, you know, they need your support as a voter to stay and do what they do. So there is some some of that little sucking up thing that has to happen with people and yeah. take advantage of that because there's 4,000 bills being introduced this coming session. And this is one bill and it needs to stand out. And it's right. not gonna stand out if Oregonians, all Oregonians don't do their homework instead of just locking down and going, no, you can't have part of Oregon. Well, you know what? That's not really your choice. Because we are still a free country and we're a place where people should be able to have the kind of governance that they want. And That's if you, I would, it would be interesting to go back and see when was the last time Eastern Oregon really was represented well um, in, in the. It's in been the a state. long time. It's been a long time. You know, so this goes back quite a ways, but when I was a kid, basically, I can remember when. Um, you know, we had a Democratic governor, but our legislature was Republican. The Senate and the House was Republican. And so it's, you had this split. You had representation and you couldn't just force policy on one side or the other because we had divided government. Um, I don't know when exactly that switched over to, to where the House and the Senate started getting so uh, democratically controlled. But, you know, we just got out of a supermajority situation. Right. We, we are now. And this is part of the reason why our proposal is makes so much sense and why people are, are latching on to it is because we've been trying to vote what we want in for a long time. And, and not only have we not gotten closer, we're getting further and further away uh, from having any representation. And so if 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 that's going to continue to be the trend, rather than be a political minority for the rest of our lives, we're saying, you know, it doesn't have to be this way. We have a right to have the government that we want and consent to the government that we've got. And, and we don't want this anymore. We want to be governed by Idaho. And, and, and it's, it's kind of like one, I think, you know, you get back into world, this is off topic a little bit, but back into Western Oregon, I think what's kind of disheartening to me is it did used to go back and forth you know, a lot more, even nationally, you know, I mean, Mark Hatfield was from Oregon. He was a Republican and Daniel Inouye was a Democrat from Hawaii. They both served on the Senate Finance Committee. And, and when one party ruled, when the Democrats won and ruled the House, then Daniel Inouye was the chairman. And when it came back to the Republican side, Mark Hatfield was. And they said to me, nothing ever changed because we were so in sync with each other, knowing that both sides had to be represented. But see, that's so gone right now. It's like, it yeah. and I think the supermajority would, and then the sad thing to me is it, it happened from cheating, in my own opinion, of redrawing district lines. And why don't we get back to, you know, it, really what people, what makes people frustrated is when things aren't fair, when it's not the truth, because the truth, I think right now, truth is like the most important thing it has to be the top standard of everything more than love more than anything is what is the truth because we've been lied to so much mm -hmm. and 
I think rural Oregonians feel that more than anybody is um, is where does you know when do we just make it fair so you so everybody gets to have a chance and we don't load one district up and move these people and you know even last session there was a Democrat who got ousted out because he wouldn't he thought the way they redrew the line so they redrew him out and he was one of theirs you know I mean that right. kind of stuff has to stop. I, I completely agree 100%. And, you know, this kind of goes back to talking about how, how we're going to get this to the next step and get this through the legislature as well, as well as that, you know, sometimes I think that that uh, elected leaders get into this Republican versus Democrat. It's a party thing and it's what's best for our par party. And, and you know, um, it, it's it's it, that becomes their focus. And that's not your typical citizens focus. It's not your typical citizens, you know, your typical voter doesn't really care about the Republican or, or Democrat party. They care about policy and they care about what things affect their life, but they don't, you know, they don't want to see a district gerrymandered to ensure that you get a Republican or a Democrat elected. Right. Um, they, they want what they, what most people I think think happens is that you have districts to groups like-minded people together so that they have representation that matches their values. That's the whole point of it. It has been corrupted and, and it has been used instead to serve these two parties rather than to serve the people. And, and our movement is part of taking some of that back. It's saying, you know, we are free people that have a right to have government that we want and consent to the government that we want. And so we are going to ask and work through the political process, but we're going to say, you know what, we want to make this change and we have the right to that. And, and so, you know, we need to look into it. You know, Matt, the largest growing block of voters in Oregon is the non-affiliated voter, not an independent, because people get that wrong. Independent is a party. And they play their little games, too, because they'll support a Democrat candidate or this candidate, you know, and it's it's sure. all just a game. But most people in Oregon now are non-affiliated voters. And so you're right. They don't care what the Democrats or Republicans want. They, they care about what's good for their family, what's good for their community, um, and, and about having a voice in their government. So maybe all this will come to a head. And, and maybe our legislators will look at this and say, you know what, we, we really do have to do something or we're, we're on the verge of, of splitting up the state. I think it's already split up anyway, but there's, you know, and, and wouldn't it be nice to, I mean, people yell at me because I'm, you know, calling it left. We need to come up with a new term is that, that radical group of people who don't care what anybody, and they, they end up on each side. But it just happens to be that the one on the left right now is is, um, is in control and in power with with so much stuff. And I think the rest of us feel like, um, you know, I, I I I never thought I was such a radical, but it's like all of a sudden I have your voice. That's and that's my problem, Matt. I really I'm I'm you know I was a voiceless kid, and my whole life has been giving people a voice through television, through news, through whatever. And so now when they start taking mine away. It's like, uh, you're going to see kicking and screaming here. And then my, my old friends go, I always thought you were more rational than that. And I said, you never, you never pushed me this far. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 you know, like, so, you know, coronavirus, I think helped supercharge this movement because it was a real, everything was so extreme, you, you know, as you're talking about, like for a long time, people could say things like politics doesn't really affect my life that much, you know, right. um, and then, then coronavirus happened and it's like, it was so stark and, and so apparent, you know, out here in Eastern Oregon during, during that whole time, they were, you know, we were being 
shut down and locked down and kids kept out of school and masked up and all these things. But right over in Idaho, people, that was not the case. They, their lockdown was very short. Their kids were in school, right? Like going back to school right away. I, I can remember, you know, I went golfing for, for some reason in Oregon, golfing was still an approved thing you could do. Like, uh, you know, you could still go golfing with friends. So like, you know, I golfed a lot because it was one of the things you could actually go do, but I was golfing with my cousin and he's like, yeah, I, I was, you know, just in Boise and I went to church. There was 500 people there. And then we went to, you know, lunch afterwards. And at that time in Oregon, you couldn't do any of those things. Right. Um, you know, so it, it, that that was a, such a stark, you know, and, and you, of, of how government does impact our lives and how much power it can have over our lives and, and how important it is to have government that that matches your values. Because if you yeah. get government that doesn't match your values and they have that much control over your life, you're in a bad situation. Well, that's a lot different when you're in Gillum County or Sherman County Absolutely. and you have five people with COVID and then you're in Portland where you have thousands and they're all around each other. And you know, that it's a whole different world and you can't treat, well, we're all Oregonians, so we're gonna do this together. Well, it's like, no, you can separate these things and make them different. And if you won't, then that's, yeah, that obviously got people real frustrated. I mean, the county where I live right now, um, they said they were in mass for a, a couple of weeks and then everybody just took them off and went about their lives and, and it was no big deal. And when we came here in, in January last year, Oregon was still in masks until April. Mm -hmm. We were living here without masks and you know, and I had COVID twice and, um, you know, it's just, it's kind of like you, you, I, I love how you said that you need some, you need representation that, that kind of sees your values and what you're doing. And, um, I, I wish you luck, Matt. I hope this happens. And I want to be, I mean, I will help you guys with any kind of, you know, stuff you need. I think, um, you know, as you get going, just keep, they keep sending me the things and I'll keep putting yeah. you on here. Cause I think the more that people understand, you know, that th there's value and financial value to get rid of Eastern Oregon. <laughs> right. You should have a big campaign. Unload them. <laughs> Unload Eastern Oregon. You know, make it sound really attractive. Right. Um, and, and, and if people in Eastern Oregon would not take offense and just be like, you guys, we got to do this to get you out of here. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and, you know, and we appreciate it, Rick, you know, for, for us, part of the, the struggle is that that status quo bias is, is that people, they think, Oh, that's, you know, crazy talk. It could never happen. And so for us being able to get our message out that, at, yes, this can happen. There's a legal process. It's not crazy. We've changed borders change all the time. Go look at a map from like 1980 and, and you know, a world map and look at all the different borders there are. Borders change to make people's lives better. And we need to start thinking about doing that in, in this situation where you have two cultures that are so different. So it it's super helpful for us to be able to get our message out and, and have people like you that, um, you know, give us a platform so that, that we can talk to people about why this makes sense. You know, if you put together some people, I think I can fit six to eight. I think it's six. I mean, maybe six. But I would be willing to have like you, me, and then four other people from different counties that have approved this and not radical, just people that, you know, cause I don't want people to go, Oh, they're setting this all up, but just people that have a good story about why this would, I, I, I would do that for you guys. Cause I've got sponsors that are awesome. support me and we would love, this would be a great topic to have. And maybe we do them 
over a series of times with different counties to just show the frustration that they're having and and keep talking about these things like that. I, I would totally do that with you, Matt. That would be awesome. Yeah. And, and our people would love to do that because, you know, that is part of the problem also, Rick, is a lot of people in Western Oregon, they really don't know how different life is out here. Like how different life is for somebody that lives in Malheur County than, than lives in Multnomah County because they right. haven't been there and they haven't experienced it. But, but, and then, you know, then I'm sorry. I know I just keep, I can't help it. But, but since you haven't been there, people, you, you need to either go there or just let them have what they need because it's really, you know, just like that rancher, when you've got an environmentalist who have never been to the Oahe River ruling and dictating how Oregonians use their property. Um, and have used it and don't count all the lakes that they made out in the desert for wildlife and their cattle and stuff like that. And then start judging them, you know, based on how many cow farts they have. Um, you know, th this is, this is, you know, how, how much methane do, do all the dogs and cats in, in the, in the Western Oregon fart into the air causing methane and we're looking at their cattle out here and, and doing the same thing. So clean up your cat shit and your dog poop, and then you can start worrying about the cattle. And maybe it's not the same methane. I'm not educated on it. But you know what? <laughs> it makes a funny analogy, doesn't it? I'll get some environmental person on here going, methane doesn't even come from cat poop. You know what? There's nothing worse than cat or dog poop when it lands on your foot. And it's all shit. So don't tell me it's not. <laughs> hey Matt, you are such a good. Um, Tom just said on here, more power to you, Matt. You're a great representative. You really are articulate on this, and you've got your, you just you make it so normal. And I think that sometimes people can get too complex with things, and you make it really understandable. So I appreciate you. Well, thank you, Rick, and thank you, Tom, and and thanks for having me on. And I look forward to talking soon. Okay, we'll talk to you later. All right, you guys share this on your page, uh, Matt. I'll talk to you later. Yep. All right. So that's it. So one of the things I want you to really understand from that, I know. Um, so not only do Eastern Oregon people need to be writing letters, but those of you in the West, you need to be doing the same thing. And maybe you can't be part of it. And I know some of you are going, well, I can't be a part of it. I want out too. Um, think of the strengthening that can happen for you too. If this happened, which is one of the reasons it's going to be really, really hard, I think, is but if it did happen, it really does say something about what's going on in Western Oregon for you as well as a more conservative person. It's saying something's out of whack. And so we need to be helping these people to be able to go that direction. And then you can make your choice from there, but at least it gets the voice out there. Um, yeah, Tom, I think I think you're right. A very wise, he says, a very wise and clear spokesman. Um, yeah, I agree. Uh, Matt is very articulate there. So we can't do this show without our sponsors and we need you guys help too, because uh, it's Facebook and Instagram, of course, our numbers are way up, but it's because I'm not telling everything in the lead of what's in the show. I've learned how to get around them a little bit. And it's really sad because I'm a really good lead writer after all those years in the news and I have to skate around everything. Um, but if you share this on your page, it really helps us. And then also if you pay attention to our sponsors, because that's how we make a living and are able to do this for you. So I'm going to play their three commercials right here at the end. Watch what they have to say. And since Matt McCarl was on here, I'm going to give him a little plug. Uh, New Leaf Hyperbarics, one of our oldest, not old, one of our elder clients. Um, Matt is doing light therapy there at the, at the 
new leaf hyperbarics. And if you're one of those people, I heard you've got rain like crazy. I have really nice sunshine, but it's cool. But um, light therapy really helps. And so make an appointment at new leaf hyperbarics. I'm going to play my other commercials here so you can see um, this first one's going to blow you away a little bit. This is BS free MD, two doctors in Oregon do a podcast. And this week they got on gas stoves. <laughs> I don't know why, but here you go. So when you when you look at this, the electricity has to come from somewhere because when you plug something in to a wall, it doesn't come from magic fairy dust and unicorn farts. It comes from a place like a hydroelectric dam, a nuclear power plant or God forbid, the most common source of electricity in the United States, coal. OK, so when you're driving an electric car, you're driving a coal powered car. Yeah. Not an electric car, a coal-powered car, because you have to go to the base source of energy. So, okay. So, if you're driving, if you have an electric stove, now you have a coal fire-powered stove instead of a natural gas stove, which is way more efficient and way less polluting. Unless you have hydroelectric. Um, I wish. I wish Tim would really tell us what he thinks. I, I when he holds back like that, it really bothers me. Uh, their podcast again is called BS Free MD. It's on Spotify. Any other place you want to find it, they talk usually about medical stuff. But they're um, and they're just a super joyous couple. Really nice people. Here's Dr. Bratlin. Dancer. The midterm elections did not turn out the way many of us had hoped. So what can we do about it? Support local businesses that prioritize freedom of speech, tougher crime laws, and values that support a healthy community, not the same old song and dance that's gotten us nowhere. Even though my wife and I moved to Montana, we still come back to Eugene to see Dr. Michael Bratlin at Chris Dental. He says what he believes and puts his money where his values are by supporting those brave enough to push for change. And best of all, he and his team are just awesome. So if you've been thinking about changing dentists or you just don't have one, you need to go to Chris Dental. Call them today and they'll do their best to see you today. That what this kind of work offers you is an opportunity to see things from a very, very different perspective. It's something that you will build into your portfolio of life skills and life experiences that will change your outlook I think, frankly, for the rest of your life. I know that sounds very dramatic, but I think that I think it really is. I think it is very, very real. We are demonstrating that we value this work, not just with words, but also economically and all and being able to provide to people a, a place that you can you can make a decent living and, and you can do something that is not only important and meaningful, but you can also provide for your family as well. And so as you go out there and what I, what I would say to, especially to young people, look at your next steps is, is look at what, look at what the pandemic should have taught you is that life is very fragile. Things are very fragile and you're going to be out there and you're going to be working for a long time. And so what I would suggest to you is, is choose work that is, that is meaningful. Uh, when you look at it, don't just look at, you know, don't just look at how much money you can make and all those things, but also look at what kind of a legacy am I going to leave? Am I going to make a difference? And for those of you who don't know, Albert Taylor works with people in our community who have different abilities um, and uh, helps them have lives like uh, what they dream of and what better job could you have? Well, except mine. <laughs> okay, so I am uh, taking Monday off. It's Martin Luther King holiday. And so we will be back on Tuesday and we've got a whole bunch of great shows coming up for you 
next week and the week after. Got everything scheduled out for you. So share this stuff on your page, you guys. Uh, get it around there and uh, really just have a great long weekend if you have one. And whenever your time off comes, enjoy yourself. All right. Have a good night. I'll talk to you later. Goodbye.